Right now that time, 8.13. Thank you for tuning in to Swap and Shop. Now Action Line is on the air. And with us in studio, Sandra Penault from the Rutherford County Library System. She is in studio with us this morning. And Sandra, I, I guess as we start this morning off for the Action Line, tell us a little bit about what you do with the library. Well, I am the president of the Friends of Limeball Library, and we're a, a support group. We help raise money that we use then to help the library with projects, special projects they may have, or things that their budget might not quite reach enough to pay for. And we do this through our dues. You can become a member, but we also sell a lot of books. We have books that are donated to us from all sorts of people, and we have a used bookstore and sell our books. But I, I want to talk a little bit more about that uh, t this morning sometime because we can't open our bookstore right now like we used to. We used to have 10 public sales a year, and we can't have those sales anymore because of COVID. But we are still selling books, and we have a lot of what we think are innovative ways to sell them now. You know, books are such a, a fascinating thing. When you, you know, I know a lot of people have spent a lot of time renovating their homes throughout COVID-19 because they've been at home a lot more, mm -hmm. but they've also spent a lot more time reading things they didn't used to do. That is true. And we've had people, especially when the library was closed, that were really hurting for finding books. And we're so happy when the library opened, they could check out books. And we have a huge $2 a bag sale at Limeball Library. And we have a smaller area at, at um, MGL at Patterson and at the Technology Engagement Center, where we sell plastic grocery bags of books for just two dollars and we have lots of bestsellers on there we have children's books we have all sorts of books cookbooks you know history um, biography everything you can think of we have a little bit of everything in these these sections and so that is one way we've continued to sell our books but we are getting so many donations. When you when you started talking about this, I thought you were going to say people were cleaning out. They are doing that. Man, I'm telling you, we when we were totally closed, you know, we closed when the libraries closed, when there was a lockdown. And when we finally started accepting donations, it was just like a tsunami of books. That <laughs> people were bringing just, you know, oh gosh, we had some donations that were like maybe 30 boxes of books. And so we've, we've been working really hard to find good homes for them. You know, those who really enjoy older books, there's something about an older book that was written in maybe, you know, the, the late 1800s, the early 1900s. But when you take one of those books that's been passed down in families and is in good shape, it's interesting not only just to read the book, but just to kind of thumb through it and, and to look at the way things were written because it's it's wild but writing styles have changed over the years and people don't think about that but they really have the way somebody tells a story and the way they used to tell a story are different absolutely and and there's a couple of difference you can tell right off the bat their sentences are longer in older books and their chapters are longer you're not going to find any like james patterson you know like he writes some of his chapters are two pages long sometimes <laughs> you're not going to find that in older books but um th the older books are are of great value because they 
not only give us a window into that time and the values those people held, but they also, if they're a really good book, there are enduring values in there that we can still relate to. The section that I work in in our uh, friends uh, bookstore is classics. And so we have a lot of classics. We have a lot, we have a separate section just for old books that are not recognized classics, but they're beautiful books and they're good stories, a lot of them, and so we really treasure those books as well. And I have a lot of books at my house that my family has passed down, and I totally understand. There's something about holding a book, especially if it came to you th through your family, that you know that somebody, you know, generations ago also read. It's neat to think, you know, this book I may be holding that was passed down to my family, I bet my great-great-great-grandmother once read this book maybe and even in school that is the case sadly we get some of those kinds of books in donations and i i say sadly because i think it is sad that you know sometimes the the younger generation don't value those books and so we see some of those kinds of books some of them are have have monetary value beyond the two dollars that we charge for a hardback and uh, that's one of the things we've been working on during this pandemic is finding other ways to sell books we have our two dollar bag sections and and the one at Limebaugh is very large and we do put new books out there at Limebaugh almost daily and at the other places we put them in there weekly. But um, we have started selling online. This is a very oh, cool. new thing for us. We started, well, we have a Facebook page and um, we put all sorts of things on our Facebook page. I won't talk about that in a minute. But um, one of the things is we've been taking pictures of books. Like we found an old Nancy Drew book that was published in 1930 and we put the picture on there and we look up the price that it goes for online we can charge less because we have no overhead yeah and so we're charging less and we've sold several books that way and we just started uh, selling on eBay just this week and so we are um, ha putting some books and had our first sale yesterday on eBay we were so excited we had a book that was that really was valuable and we sold it for $80 on eBay that's really going to help out the library oh, too. oh absolutely because all our money goes to the library we support Linebot well we're the friends of Limebot library but we also help support um, MGL at Patterson Park Community Center, the Tech, the Tennessee, uh, the Technology Engagement Center, and the Bookmobile. So we, they come to us for special things that they want. Um, we bought uh, for the Tech recently. We bought a display case because they didn't have any place to display special things that they wanted to show off. And we bought benches for Limebot to put out in that little patio area they have out back. Um, that people can go and sit and enjoy the area. We buy things like that that, you know, aren't in a normal library budget. And so it's these books that we sell. It all goes to the library. I, I'm thumbing through the uh, library's Facebook page now, the uh -huh. Friends of the Library. Yeah. yeah. Here's an old Pippi Longstocking book. The you ladies know? coming tomorrow to pick that one up. <laughs> yes, it is sold. But yeah. I know. And we have a Bobsy Twin book on our eBay page. I. I am going to be posting 
the link to that on our on our Facebook page um, tomorrow. We're going to roll that out. So but neat. I know anybody that's on Facebook needs to like our Facebook page because we are doing so many things on our Facebook page. We are n- not only publicizing the library events and our events, we're putting things on there that are funny and book related. We're putting things about programs um, throughout the state that we think people might be interested. But what we've really started doing is trying to engage readers and you know make it more interactive and so once a week we put up there just what are you reading and that has been very popular people like to look at what other people are reading and comment on them and then we also put other things like the last one i put was um who who what famous author has personally autographed a book to you and we had everybody from president jimmy carter to um all sorts of popular authors um it's just you know it runs the gamut um that and we have gotten lots and lots of responses to that so our 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 likes have doubled in the last month for our facebook page and our engagements have gone up oh my gosh like 700 percent over the last 30 days 28 days Um, So we're really trying to reach out, since we can't see all the people that like to come to our bookstore, we want to at least keep them engaged. And we are selling books, like I say, through our $2 a bag areas. We're selling them online now. We are also um, inviting, or if people reach out to us, we will make appointments for people to come in and shop in our uh, bookstore. We have to be careful with that because, you know, COVID restrictions. And we only let four people in our bookstore at a time, and that includes any volunteers that are in. But if somebody reaches out to us through our Facebook page or our email, we can make an appointment and they can come in and shop. One of the the groups that we're we're reaching out to now is um, our homeschool parents. Because, you know, I read in the paper just the other day, the number of homeschool homeschool students has increased by 85% in Rutherford County. And so we know that those parents are scrambling to find materials, and we have tons of materials for them. We have a huge children's department, and we even have curriculum material that the homeschool parents can look at. So, you know, if they want to, to get in touch with us, um, our our email address is F-O-L-L in the borough, at Friends of Limeball Libraries, F-O-L-L, in the borough, it's all one word, at gmail.com. And of course, we're just Friends of Limeball Library on our Facebook page. Sandra Penault with us this morning with Friends of the Line Ball Library. I, I came across a book, I guess it was last week or so, and it was interesting because the book was from, I would say, right at 1900, mm-hmm. the year. And I was looking it over, and I thought, I, I've never seen this book before. I, I, don't, I don't even know where I got it from. But it was basically about the founding of some city uh, up north. Mm-hmm. And it was talking about how, uh, you know, this is what the city is going to stand for. This is how the city is going to be laid out with neighborhoods and, and so forth. So I guess it was actually probably from the late 1800s, not the early 1900s. Now, thinking about it. But I, I looked the book up and I saw 
there's only a few copies of this in existence, this, this mm-hmm. book, this founding city book, if you would. And, and then I, I saw the value of it, and it was worth, like, you know, over $1,000. Oh, my goodness. And I thought, well, that, that's, that's really fascinating. Yes. It's, and it's one of those things, you know, I, I wouldn't want to sell it because it's just so interesting to look at and mm-hmm. to read. And then when you look at the book I'm talking about, I wish I could remember the name, but the way this city was put together, the thoughts that went into this is how we're going to do it. It was interesting to compare it to today's times and look mm-hmm. at our city, Murfreesboro, look at cities around us and just try to understand well, I wonder if Murfreesboro had some type of book they wrote whenever they first formed our city. Well, Scott, that's interesting that you would bring that up because we have a section that is Tennessee and local history, and we get books like that. Sometimes they're about cities, sometimes they're about counties, but they're all local. And uh, that's one of the sections that we have that we pull out of just our regular history section because there's so much interest in that. But the time period you're talking about was a great time period for urban planning. That's when they really kind of started into the early 20th century. Um, And urban planning was a a kind of a new concept um, at that time. And so I think there probably many cities have had books like that, but because most people don't think about it being something that would um, interest other people, you know, they probably have just been destroyed or, you know, or or worn out, you know, books do wear out yeah. and you can't save them. But, um, but that's interesting. And we do have a section of things like that. So anybody that's interested in that needs to get in touch with us too. And, and you know, when I read that that book's worth about a thousand or so dollars, I thought, well, you know, I'm sure it is to somebody from that yeah. town. You know, that's one of those things. You, you couldn't just go sell it in Murphy's, bro, that well, easily. Well, you know. Uh-oh. There's collectors, aren't there? Everything is worth something to somebody. Yeah. It's finding the somebody. That's the hard part. <laughs> but books, they hold history. And I think yes. that's the best part about books. Because when I was looking through that, reading some of these different rules they're going to set forth, it told me instantly that, when people complain today about codes, about ordinances in their city, they talk about how it didn't used to be like that. But then you go back and you read a book that's mm. over 100 years old and you see, well, you know what? They had a lot more rules to follow way that's back true. then when they formed this XYZ city. That's, that's absolutely right. Um, you know, everybody has to have some kind of guideline to go by. And so just because people sometimes think our society is more restrictive, it's just because some of the rules have changed. And so there have always been, you know, guidelines. You go back to colonial times. I mean, there were, you know, those colonies had really restrictive rules in some cases about, you know, what people could do and not do. More so than uh-huh. today. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When you look at books like Nancy Drew, The Hardy Boys, yeah. and, and all of those old classics, when you look at those, some of those books, if you were to read them today, the verbiage of how they say things may be slightly different, but a lot of times the setting in which the author is describing in the book to the reader 
you can almost picture yourself in today's settings because some of these books are not dated in the way that makes you think, oh yeah, okay, well they didn't talk about your cell phone or, or <laughs> watching TV, but, but at the same time, the situations you can oh. feel yourself in. Well, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And they human do. nature is human nature throughout all time, I believe. But, yeah, but that's why those are classics, because they reach across time periods and still speak to us. You know, then that's a real classic, even if it is just a children's classic like Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. It still speaks to us, and it speaks to young girls, Nancy Drew or Hardy Boys. It speaks to, you know, all sorts of... In fact, I have a friend who just recently retired from teaching, and she had all her Nancy Drew books that her mother had going back to the very beginning. And then she had books that she had when she was a child. And she decided that her retirement project was going to be to reread the Nancy Drew books, starting with the first one. And she is going through and reading them all. And she says she's just enjoying them so much. You know, one of my favorite books, and it's not a book that you would read you know, like cover to cover, because it, it's mm-hmm. made up of a bunch of different little segments. That would be, <clears throat> and, and people look at me like I'm crazy when I say this, but Shel Silverstein, Where the Sidewalk Is. Oh, that's a great one. I know. I, we I read that to our it. children. I know. I know. They're, they they do. They're, they have values that <clears throat> speak to us. And that's not a really old book, but, you know, it's... It's not, like, what, late 70s, I think? Yeah, I think so. Uh, we've, like I say, my children were born in the eight, uh, early and mid-80s, and we read them to them. So it was probably from the 70s. I, my mom read it yeah. to me as a little kid. Yeah. And, and, you know, I guess it was maybe 10 years ago or so I thought, man, I wish I still had that book. Yeah. But I found it. Went and oh. bought one. Not I didn't yeah. find my oh, yeah. original. Yeah. But I, I went and bought yeah. one. Yeah. And uh, I was I, I did reading in schools that next year, you know, and I, I got to read in a uh, I think it was a fifth grade class uh-huh. at campus school. So that's the book I chose to bring with me. And before I read it, I, I just I wanted to do a little survey of these of these little kids. I, you know, I said, mm-hmm. Have y'all ever heard of Shell Silverstein? None of them. Yeah. Not even one. And, and then I started reading some of his poems. The kids were laughing. I mean, they just loved it. Mm-hmm. The, the way he wrote, it, it not only reached kids, it reached the adult reading it as well. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a special style of writing. I it mean, that's is. hard to do. It, it really is. You know, he wrote uh, A Boy Named Sue for Johnny Cash. Who, I who didn't sang realize the song. he wrote that. In fact, he wrote several songs over the years but a boy named sue Uh was one of them and when you go back and listen to that song a boy named sue you you start listening to the lyrics then you think to yourself everything about this song i can see shell silverstein Uh writing oh yeah yeah you know another artist that was has i've heard him say uh was influenced by shell silverstein is jimmy buffett I can and see that. I know. Pencil I thin mustache. Too. It yeah. just seems like something he, he would he, say. Jimmy Buffett talks about uh, how he sat down and, you know, used to talk about how to write things with Shel Silverstein and their their friends. And, you know, so it's it's that kind of influence, whether, you know, it's the actual words or the influences that these authors have and have 
on children today. Once they start reading those kinds of things, they'll want to write too. A book that makes you want to read, mm-hmm. uh, makes you want to read whatever the subject is, but a book that makes you want to read it is, first of all, a very good book. But second, it's hard to find an author that m- just makes you mm-hmm. want to read more and not put that book down. But there's so many authors out there like it, even though it is hard right. to find that author today. You know, we have a uh, uh, newsletter. We've just started it. We've only had two editions to come out but we have one coming out in the fall and that's one of our features is to ask people what book do you remember reading that made you that made you become a reader mm. you know so it and we're hoping to get different input from people about that and we might ask you about that scott we want to talk to people and find out what made you a reader i can remember the first book i read by myself it was in school it was a dick and jane book and at the end uh spot you know the dog did something funny and i just laughed out (laughs) loud and i that was it for me i remember it so vividly it was like a light bulb came on and i thought i want to do this I want to read. You know, like music, when you hear a certain song, you're often able to remember. I remember where I was when mm-hmm. I first heard that. Books have that same impact, I think, uh-huh. especially on children, because mm-hmm. I, I remember Where the Wild Things mm-hmm. Are. Do you remember that book? Oh, I love that book. <laughs> the, the reason why, for example, that book stands out to me, I, I still remember today, and whenever we drive past this spot, I say to myself, I remember going to that library, Mm -hmm. sitting in there as a kid, and listening to one of the Mm -hmm. librarians read that Mm -hmm. to all the kids. But it it was right there on Thompson Lane at Nolansville Pike in the Nashville area. And I remember, for whatever reason, my mom went there to volunteer one day, I think to help organize books and Mm -hmm. stuff. And they had uh, one of the volunteers was reading to the kids of all the volunteers Mm -hmm. to keep the kids busy. But I remember sitting there and listening to where the wild things are. And for some reason, that stood out to me as a kid for years to come. And and nowadays, when I drive past that same location, the crime rate in that area has just gone through the roof. But at the same time, I'm able to look at that area, that library, that playground mm-hmm. that used to be out back. And I'm able to think, this used to be an excellent area. Mm-hmm. And, and I think... Whenever you're able to tie something to a book, to a song, and see the good in it from the past that you remember, you're able to change the future as well. So books have a Mm -hmm. huge impact on people, not only in reading, but in memories, just like music does. And you know, Scott, that library that you you went to is different now. And if it's open, I don't know if it's still open. I don't even open. know if it's still open. But they still are presenting programs to children that are in those neighborhoods. And how valuable they is are. that? That is so, so important to continue those programs. Because, you know, you can reach out to children of all kinds. The Where the Wild Things Are is one of the books I used to... When, I briefly, when I retired from teaching, I worked briefly for Read to Succeed, and I did a lot of children's programs, and that was one of my favorite books to use because the children loved it. And when it gets down to... And the, where I remember the line, my favorite line is, let the wild rumpus begin. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, everybody can identify with that. Books are timeless. You know, our, our local library system, they do a great job in reaching kids. 
But it's different today compared to years past. Mm-hmm. And I think one reason why is because kids today are so tied up in social media, mm-hmm. tied up in mm-hmm. their cell phone and video games that I don't know. I don't know if kids know how to sit and just listen. Well, like they used to. there's a cartoon that I've seen many times and there's two mothers with their children sitting on a park bench and mother number one sitting there with her phone and her child sitting there with a tablet and she looks at the other mother and that mother is sitting there with a book and her child has a book and the mother number one says how do you get your child to read and the answer is so obvious your child will become a reader if you're a reader you know that it's important that you read to the children but that you set the example and read yourself and you know today that sitting there reading Mm -hmm. could be thumbing through a magazine Mm -hmm. in front of the kids it could be you know you're reading a story on your kindle on your cell Mm -hmm. phone but the kids know oh yeah well dad's not just sitting there texting he's he's reading right it's important it interests the kids you know it does what's coming up with friends at, at the library, the friends at Lineball Library, anything big coming up? Because I, I just looked up and it's already 838. I know. <laughs> I could talk about books all day. Um, we do, we are just trying to get our, our um, more visibility in the community. We're trying to get books out there for people to buy. We have been giving books to first-year teachers in Rutherford and Murfreesboro City Schools. Uh, and we borrowed that idea from our friends Read to Succeed. They've been giving books to first-year teachers, too. We are accepting donations, and you can bring them by our bookstore. If you have a large donation, please contact us so we can be there and bring them straight into the bookstore. But we're just right now trying to sell books any way we can and keep the conversation going through our Facebook page where we can talk about some of the kinds of books and the things that you and I have just talked about. We want to keep that conversation going. And on Facebook, you just type in Friends of Lineball Library. It'll pull it up. I'm looking at it right now. And then there you'll be able to also hit contact, submit a question, Mm -hmm. I guess. Maybe they have a an idea for you or they say we have these books we want to give away any right, of that that's right do it all through facebook you can all do it you can do it all through facebook but we do have an email and it is f-o-l-l in the borough b-o-r-o at gmail.com and so we check a, a facebook and email like multiple times a day okay so um, that's f-o-l-l in the borough b-o-r-o it's all one word and is it i-n or just the letter i-n in the borough at gmail.com yes f-o-l-l-i-n-t-h-e-b-o-r-o at gmail.com and whenever we post the podcast today we'll make sure that is on there as well thank you yes but sandra thank you for joining us today oh anytime you want to talk about books you just call me and i'll be here (laughs) (laughs) and we are actually going to Continue the conversation. We've got some other folks from Lion Ball, from the Rutherford County Library System as well, who are going to update us on technology advances within the library. So all of that's coming up right after this break. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Time right now, 840. You're tuned in to WGNS. Hi, this is Dan with Music World and Drummer's Den. I'm the guitar tech here. We're a pretty well-rounded music store. We have every guitar, keyboard, drum that you might be looking for. Parts are available, strings, accessories. We also have lessons, $25 for a half hour of keys, anything with strings and drums. 
It's all here. Music World and Drummer's Den. We're your hometown music store. Music World and Drummer's Den. 2762 South Church, right across from Indian Hills Golf Course. 